at first I, uh, I couldn't believe my ears. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Uh, I mean, contrary to what people think, my boss has a great sense of humor. But and I thought at first he was joking. But then I realized that he wasn't. He was he was dead serious. I, I looked around the room with my coworkers to see if they had heard what I had heard to see if they felt the way that I did. And I could see by their responses on their faces. Yet, yes, they they did. They were flabbergasted. They were they were surprised at what had come out of our our boss's mouth. The boss was always full of surprises. Over the years, we'd seen him time and again surprise us by the things that he would do. Uh, he would do things not exactly the way we would plan, and, but he would do them. Uh, sometimes we under, wondered why, not often, but once in a while we wondered why. But time and again, we never did question his heart and his intentions. And, and over time, we would see that his, his plans and his purposes, his, his ideas always proved to be good and to be pleasing. But this time, what he, had, what he had said to me, I couldn't conceive. It didn't seem feasible, didn't seem possible that his plan would actually work. It didn't seem possible. But there's one thing I've learned over the years working for him is that, is that absolutely nothing is impossible where he is concerned. Well, I'm sorry, I've been really rude. I haven't introduced myself. Uh, my name is Gabriel. I'm an archangel. I'm kind of a big deal. And uh, I work for the creator of the universe, Lord God Almighty, the great I am. And, and uh, I've been working with him closely for what seems like eternity. Um, he's given me my name, Gabriel. It means God is mighty. And I have to say, from my experience, yes, he is very, very mighty. Over the years, I've been sent on some really wild missions. For example, just six months earlier, I had been sent to an old priest. His name is Zechariah, married to a woman named Elizabeth. And they had been wanting children for years, been trying, been barren. They were past the age of childbirth bearing. And, and I was sent to them to tell them that, yes, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a son, in fact, and not just any son, but a very special son who would grow into a man who would be used mightily of God, a man who would prepare the way for the long-awaited Messiah. To say they were skeptical when I brought this news is to put it mildly. Another time I've been given a, a message to say, and by the way, message, uh, angel means messenger. I mean, so what I did and who I am, they're identical, kind of go hand in hand in hand. Um, but about 500 years before I went to Zechariah, I also went to see another Jewish man, a man named Daniel. Maybe you know Daniel, know of him. Old Testament Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel. And I was sent to him because Daniel's specialty was interpreting dreams. And God used him to interpret dreams for the kings of Persia and Babylon. And guess who told him what those dreams meant? That's right. It was me. I told you I was kind of a, a big deal. But, but the message I was going to deliver this time was the best message, mind-blowing message I'd ever been given, and still is today. And that is this. The Messiah was coming. That God was going to send his son to, to be the Messiah, to save his people, to come to earth and to save the people. Now, we angels, this was not a surprise to us. We, even though sometimes we didn't always know what he was doing or why, we were in on this secret. We knew over the years 
the prophets had been told this. Men like Isaiah and Zechariah and Micah had all predicted the Messiah's coming. But when the boss, the master, told me it was go time, I could not believe where he was sending me. Nazareth. Of all places, Nazareth. Now, I don't want to be unkind here, but Nazareth is not exactly a a destination location. It's not the Bahamas or Hawaii or the Caribbean. It's a backwater, off the beaten path, kind of no, no, no good for anything place, a little fishing town tucked up against the Sea of Galilee. I was hoping for Jerusalem personally. I mean, that's, that's, that's a happening place. That's what I call a city. But I got sent to Nazareth instead. And since it's my job to do what I'm told, I did it. I went quickly. When I got there, I approached the target, a little shack on the edge of town. wasn't much to look at. I checked my address to make sure it was right. Yes, it was. So I walked up and got a glimpse of my target. A young girl, 15 or 16, in your days, probably a junior, maybe a sophomore in high school. And I'd been told that she was going to get married. Back then, arranged marriages were commonplace. Women, girls married young. And she was engaged to a really good man. It was a good match. His name was Joseph, hardworking, good reputation, a carpenter, good at what he did. So I looked at her, but I couldn't help but wonder, again, what was the boss doing? She was poor. She was young. She was fragile, looked like a strong wind could blow over. She was innocent, didn't know the ways of the world had no idea what she was in for, and yet she was at the very heart of his plan. Well, I approached her, and I figured she'd be like the rest of the ones. I approached Daniel. He fainted away, okay? Zechariah, he was skeptical, should have known better. He was a priest, man of God, man of the word. He was skeptical. But I, I approached her, and I didn't get the usual responses. Usually people think they're dreaming or they're overwhelmed, they're so afraid. That's why we, we are trained to start with, do not be afraid. Okay? But let me tell you, it doesn't work. They're always, always afraid. This time, though, I was given a different instruction. Begin with a different word, a different phrase. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. From my perspective, that's kind of redundant. You know, from where I sit and where I stand, from my perspective, my time with the master, God is always, always with you. Never leaves you, never, ever forsakes you. One of his favorites, David, in Psalm 139 said this. He questions, where can I go to get away from your spirit? Where can I flee to get away from your presence? He says things like that. He says, if I, if I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths, you're there. If I go to the far side of the sea, if I raise myself, if I'm raised like wings of dawn, you are there, your right hand, it holds me fast, you are always with me. So when I said the Lord is with you, for me it felt kind of redundant. She took it okay, but she kind of wondered about it. She asked something interesting. She said, what kind of greeting is that? And um, so I pulled the old standards, probably what she was expecting. I said, do not be afraid, Mary. And then I added something. You have found favor with God. Now, notice I didn't say you have earned favor with God. Because you're so special and pure, you have found favor with God. I mean, that's something that you human beings, you get wrong all the time. 
it's really common. And there's lots of problems because of problems with yourselves, problems with relationships, problems with God. It doesn't work that way. People think that God loves them because of who they are, because of what they do. Maybe they're smarter, better looking, more talented, more connected. They think they can earn approval from God because of what they do, give more, serve more, do more, do the right things. It doesn't work that way. Think of it this way. It's morning, cold morning, icy morning. You open the door. There's this line of journal sitting at your feet, and you open it up in the pages. You find this incredible gift certificate. It's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. You are set for life. You did nothing to earn it, did nothing to deserve it. You just, it's just there. It's given to you. It's a, it's a gift. It's a gift just because. That's how it was with Mary. I'm still not sure why God picked her. He just did. But isn't that how he works with everybody? He picks us just because? Maybe that's the point. He picks people just because. He works through people, flawed, everyday, common people, just because. Maybe that's why he chose Mary when I think about it. Because she, she got it. She understood it. Not, not the big picture. She had no way of knowing what was to come next. And she did not understand why she's picked. That's clear from the story. She basically says, uh, I want to become pregnant and have a son. I'm not married and I'm still a virgin. How's that going to work? She did not understand why she was picked. But she did understand and grasp what is most important in our dealings with God. I'm the Lord's servant, she said. May it be to me as you have said. She understood that whenever God calls, whatever God says, however he speaks to you, that we, that you are to respond, yes, Lord, may it be to me as you have said. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be who you want me to be. God, you see, works most powerfully through, through those who acknowledge that they're nothing special, that their specialness comes from him. Think about it. God picked Abraham. Remember Abraham? He was a nobody in a foreign land of Ur. God picked him and he became the father of many nations. Okay? Think about him. Or think about Esther, a poor girl in a foreign land, and God picks her, puts her in the right place at the right time to save her people from genocide. Think about David. Again, David, he was the youngest of the brothers. He's out in the fields with the sheep. He's a daydreamer. He's a musician. He's a poet. He wasn't Samuel's first pick, his second pick, or his third pick. But God picked him to be the king of Israel. My master has always worked that way. Still works that way today. He chooses the small and seemingly insignificant to do deep and profound things for his kingdom. He stoops to work with the temporary things of this world to mold and shape something that will last for eternity. As the Apostle Paul wrote, he chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He chooses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Now, let's be honest. That's not how you human beings would do it, right? You choose the best of, a, of us, of you. You choose the, choose the strongest, the, stro- the bravest, the, the most talented. You choose those who are connected, the best educated. 
You would choose those who get things done, the movers and the shakers, the most moral, the pillars of the society. But God chooses those who in the eyes of the world are really nobodies. And he chooses them to do big things, powerful things in the kingdom. Now, some of you look a little bit stunned. Don't get the wrong message here. God thinks you're special. Okay? You're precious in my master's sight. You are immeasurably precious to him and valuable to him. That's the message of Christmas, right? That God sent his very son, because of his love, to be born to a poor peasant girl so that you could be saved. Don't ever, ever forget at what great cost your life has been purchased. I will never, ever forget the days Jesus died, the look on my master's face. And when an angel says never, that's a really, really long time. You are incredibly valuable. What I'm trying to tell you, though, is that your value comes from him. You're worth Jesus' life simply because of him. God made you in his image simply because he loves you because I think Mary understood that at some level. It's called humility. And that humility led to willingness. And God always chooses the humble and the willing. When Mary said yes to God, she didn't know everything that was going to happen. Didn't know that Jesus would do miracles. Didn't know he'd attract a large following. Didn't know he would die on a cross, that he would be raised from the dead. Didn't know he would change the course of human history. But she had to have known this. She lived in a small town. Everybody knew everybody else's business. She had to have known that she would face rejection and misunderstanding from her community, her family, her friends, perhaps even her betrothed, Joseph. It's tough in small towns when you're young, unmarried, and pregnant. And yet knowing all that, as well as the fear of the unknown, she said, Yes, Lord, I'm your servant. May it be to me as you have said. So I want to I conclude with a question for you. Are you humble and willing? I mean, if I showed up to your house tonight with a message that God wants to use you to do the impossible, how would you respond? Would you respond with skepticism or with fear? Or would you trust my master enough to believe and to obey? Don't worry, I'm not coming to your house tonight. At least I don't think I am. You never know where he's concerned. But I have come to you this morning, and so is my master. He's coming to you today through me, through Mary's story, through his word. And he's telling you that he wants to do great things in you and through you for his kingdom. He's telling you that he's picking you. He has picked you. He has chosen you simply because. And I hope you say, just like Mary did nearly 2,000 years ago when I came to her that night, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said.
understand. 